0: Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name's Jeff Thomas, and I've got one of my co-hosts with me today, Jeff Rutt. Say hello, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? And uh, we have a very special guest with us today, Andy Weigel. He is the president of Realty Trust Group in Murrieta, California, not to be confused with Marietta, Georgia, that we've already established in our pre-call. Very different places, but very beautiful place, it sounds like. So Andy, thanks for being with us.
1: Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Jeff one, and Jeff two. It's good. to Jeff be
0: one and Jeff two. That should have been our Halloween outfits. Yeah. Jeff one and Maybe. Jeff two.
1: Andy, thanks for being
2: here today. I'd love to just kick us off with, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what your early days were like.
1: Sure. Yeah. I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. And as I say, Nebraska is such a great place to be from and very proud to be from Nebraska, but I've actually lived in California longer than uh, both my wife and I grew up back there. But uh, yeah, I grew up a city boy, mowing the grass and picking up the parking lots of the family properties. My dad was a real estate developer back there, built the first Safeway in Nebraska. So yeah, corn fed, beef eating, go Big Red. Hey,
2: awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Tell me about you. Know, what are some of your memories on your faith journey? You obviously have been done amazing things as an adult, but a lot of times it's really cool to hear some of the impact that happened in those early years.
1: Yeah, the faith journey, you, our family were the what we would consider the CEO type of Christians, the Christmas and Easter only. So we were faithful in showing up on those special days that you had to in order to you know, check right by. Jesus really got a hold of my mom's heart first, and she turned into a zealot, and uh, the rest of us kind of wondered what happened to mom. But uh, she started praying the rest of us into the kingdom. And I, I'd say I was a typical angst driven teenager trying to figure out you know how to suck the marrow out of life and uh, looking for everything in the wrong places. But I'm a young life kid. so when I went to ended up at a young life camp, and uh, that was I'd heard the gospel and had run from the gospel many times. it was just too radical for me. But the first time I saw, a community of incredible joy and peace and life that I had never seen it before. And uh, basically, in my 15-year-old mind, I I thought, you know, whatever you're smoking in your pipe, that's what I want in my pipe. And I responded to the gospel, and uh, that's the day I became a zealot. So uh, that was 41 years ago, and uh, it completely changed my life. I said, whatever it means to hold Jesus' hand for the rest of my life, uh, that's what I want.
2: Wow, that's awesome. So talk a little bit about the... Your college years and the impact that uh, the the business, you know, kind of that convergence of growing up in that business environment around the the dining room table, and then also the impact yeah. your college years had on you.
1: Yeah, it, it, business, you know, my my dad is is to this day the, the the most shrewd investor I've ever met in my life. He's very wise. He's very smart. And he's a very good negotiator, but he also wasn't offering anything that looked of interest to me as a teenager. I said, I need to find my own path. So I came to California, really searching for whatever that path would be for ministry. I didn't know if God would call me to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary or whatever it was. I've tried tried my hat at all of those things, but fell back on a business degree, really not knowing uh, why or what what I would do with business other than somebody had said it would be good to have uh, some, some basic business skills. And I thought, well, that makes sense, particularly when I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. And I thought, Lord, how am I going to use business? I have no interest in in being a part of the family farm, so to speak. But I, I didn't have the vocabulary at the time. But the Lord said, I can use commercial real estate for my kingdom purposes. And I thought, well, that would be the only reason I would want to be a part of that. But I'm willing to try it. I tried to get a corporate job. Nobody would hire me. But because I knew the vocabulary and it was you know deeply I- embedded in my DNA, commercial real estate, able to get a job in commercial leasing and was able to create value for my clients very quickly with that and I moved into sales that then I became a general partner with the largest brokerage firm in the Coachella Valley and wow. at a young age you know God put God gave me a lot of favor in the marketplace but that was easy to do when the market was so hot you just needed an IQ north of 90 and put a sale sign out and you would be making money just putting buyers and sellers together that wasn't hard. Uh, the challenge really uh, came when the market went south uh, in the early '90s, and uh, remember those days—you uh, know, stay alive till 95—and that's when <laughs> Sandy and I went through. You know, I gave my heart to Jesus at 15, but what we look look back and, re- and and refer to as our 40 months of wandering through the financial wilderness. That's really what it was. You know, pain is a great motivator and there was blood running in the streets. If you as a real estate guy, you remember, Uh, it was just incredibly difficult times. And it was confusing to me because I thought, you know, I'm the guy who has the business degree. I'm the guy who's got the pedigree as a second generation commercial real estate guy. I'm the one who people are coming to me asking for advice and I don't know what I'm doing. For the first time in my life, the money spigot had turned off but I still had my ministry hat on and I did not know what to do with that. And as I said, pain is a great motivator and I'm asking the Lord what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not, I'm getting crickets. I'm asking my pastor, what am I supposed to be doing? And he's, you know, giving me stuff like, you know, trust in the Lord and he's going to help you out. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. I needed something a little more specific than that. I, I really, I knew I was either ignorant to or disobedient to some real fundamental principles about money and possessions and and business, and I don't know what they are. And I'm the guy who's supposed to know what they are. So in in the pain of that, the answer came in the form of somebody running into my office saying, Andy, I just heard about a 13-week intensive Bible study on uh, money and possessions and I said, "Man, sign me up." And they said, "We can't because uh, somebody has to be qualified to bring this. This was the Crown Financial Bible Study that many of us are familiar with. But they wouldn't just they wouldn't let you just sign up. Somebody had to go get qualified to teach it. I thought, "Man, I will crawl over broken glass wherever I need to get to to get my hands on that material." I was that motivated. And that's exactly what I did. I went back to LA and spent the weekend at tick whatever boxes I needed to tick just to get my hands on this Bible study material and brought it back to my church. And boy, it wasn't hard to fill up a group with other people who are asking the same questions. You know, when the tide, they say when the tide goes out, all boats get lower, but I'm on the rocks and others are floating fine. And man, I got to find out how to get off these rocks. So that was our three and a half years of going through Crown, going through it again, going through it again, and learning all the things that I hadn't learned yet in our financial stewardship. Wow.
2: Wow. There's something to be said for it. And I know even in uh, this current economic storm that we're looking at, there's something to be said for all of us, I feel like, and our, our listeners probably can relate to this, we tend to grow more in the valleys. You know, you look at the mountaintop and you see that growth line of the trees and where things are growing, everything below that. And that's where we grow. We want to be on the on the mountaintop, but that's not where we grow necessarily. And it sounds like God really used that time in, in a meaningful way in your life.
1: You know, if there isn't some pain attached to it, can you really say you've learned anything? The pain of discipline or the pain of regret? We get to choose. But it's really one of those two, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So take us to the so next next what what was next for you?
1: Well, the the graduation of the of that forty months came in a very unexpected way. The Lord um, brought about a financial uh, windfall that none of us expected, and um, it was really interesting because, long story short, I ended up with a liquidating event that w- wasn't supposed to happen for decades, and. God made his voice very clear in that moment when I'm when I'm staring at my bank account thinking, man, I couldn't even make my mortgage payment last month. And here I'm now uh, managing, you know, stewarding assets that uh, to the to the level we had never seen before. And the Lord made his voice very clear. He said, Andy, who's. Whose wealth is this? And I said, God, it's all yours. I I know now. I'm only a steward of whatever you give me. I get one asset to, that I get to hold on to with both of my hands. That's my faith in Christ. I own nothing else except that this money, this capital, is your capital. He said, That's right. Now that now we're clear, who owns it? What are you going to do with it? God, we God, we've been studying your principles for years about about saving and investing and budgeting and wise counsel and honesty and we've been studying all of these things. He says, that's right. Now that we're clear about who owns it and what you're going to do in applying these principles, I want you to go to work. You're my kingdom investor. So that was really the beginning of our stewardship journey in the the mid-90s. And that launched the same path that we've been on for decades now as a kingdom investor connecting profit with purpose.
0: Wow. that is uh, I love that perspective that you had to learn. I was I was thinking about because it, it sort of rang a bell for me about hearing all of these principles at, at a younger period, but it really hit me when you talked about, but I need something a little more practical, you know? Maybe you could connect those dots. What do you think you learned in that 40 month period that kind of put meat on the bone? Was it? Just the relationship, maybe directly with Christ, more than just a principle, ethereal, or was it more the principles? What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. As far as the relationship goes, you know, my faith was solid with regards to the relationship. I knew that, but what I had, I think I had what all of us as disciples of Christ don't get unless we're specifically taught it, which is. You're not an owner, you're a steward. God owns it all. And I had given my heart to Jesus, but I was still treating the checkbook and wallet as if it was mine. I wasn't doing it consciously. I wasn't doing it willfully, sinfully. But in the reality was, I just that's the way I treated. I wasn't a tither. Nobody had taught me to tithe. I knew tithe was one of those concepts that were out there. But you know, the funny thing about tithe is the training wheels to generosity. Yeah, you know, that 10% is just. Small enough that you should be able to, if you can't live on 90%, man, you're seriously in trouble. But it's just large enough that you will not do it without faith. It absolutely 100% requires faith to write that check. And if you're not used to it, that first check is going to be very painful. So, So actually learning that and practicing that. And I remember one of the verses that was so clear to me at that time, Proverbs 27, know well the condition of your flocks pay attention to your herds cuz riches aren't forever a crown does not endure to all generations i had probably read this you know many times but in the context of the pain i was in god was saying andy i will take care of your needs i promise you i i will be your heavenly father but i'm not going to balance your checkbook for you i've never i've seen god always provide i've never seen what his signature looks like on a check because he calls us as his stewards as his managers to manage that. And he says, I have a role for you to play, and I'm not going to take your job. I'm going to give you that job to do. And so I expect you to do it well. So it was the, it was really that kind of perspective where I was kind of, I was treating God as a sugar daddy, just blessing me and letting it go. And he liked to bless and I love to receive blessings, but I wasn't taking seriously the responsibility of what it means to steward capital.
0: Hmm. Well, that's amazing. I, you know, sometimes I call it the, the third conversion because I had the same problem. You know, maybe it goes in the head first. I kind of knew what to say. I knew the words and the principles. And then there's the kind of heart conversion where you're like, oh, okay, now I understand who Christ is. You get the relationship. I call it the third conversion. I needed the third conversion, which was, I call it the the conversion of the wallet, Yep, frankly. Okay. Maybe it's the virtual wallet now, but, but it's all digital, but it's, but to, and then you have to practice it. I think what you said also is then you can learn all those things, study them, internalize them, but then you got to actually do it, you know, and, and then that muscle gets stronger. Right. Yeah.
1: And the doing piece isn't of all of a sudden, oh, now you've arrived or it's now you're on the track. Now you, now you are the, on the journey to spend the rest of your life between now and dead, practicing these principles of stewardship. And, and I still wake up every day, practicing them imperfectly. I, we, still, you know, all of the mistakes that we've made have been made by doing things wrong. And it's good to do things wrong because then you learn what wrong looks like and you can do it better, right? Every, all of us um, start um, uh, walking and then jogging before we run. And, uh and that journey of stewardship is one of just constantly waking wake up every day saying lord what does obedience look like today with what you've given me and these opportunities and the amazing thing about that it's just like like business yeah, as business people it's all about relationships right you're never done with relationships you're never done building relationships relationships are something that always take time and there's You know, there's that intangible piece of uh, the the people that God brings into your life, of who you want to spend time with and who you want to lean into, and other people that come into your life for a season and then they go out of your life. Who does God have you leaning in at this person, uh, at this time, and and what relationships have have kind of have run their course, and you're moving into different arenas now. There's that intangible piece that makes it worth waking up every day and saying, what What does obedience look like today?
2: Yeah, I love what you said, Andy, about the pain. It's hard to learn anything, truly learn anything without the pain. You think about uh, those, the, did you say 40 months of of pain to- Yeah, you know, wa- wandering
1: the, through the financial wilderness.
2: For, for 40, 40 months, yeah. And you think about, and you're, you know, survived till 95. You think about Joseph, you know, the the Bible's full of stories of like, you know, Joseph in the, in the well, his brothers, you know, did him a favor by selling him to the Egyptians. And then then he's, he gets forgotten about in prison. It would have been hard in his mind, I would think, if I were him, to be thinking, oh, this is awesome because I'm being prepared to be a leader to help a nation survive. But that's exactly what God was doing in your life during those 40 months of pain. And and now you're carrying out that that stewardship.
1: Yeah. What was that uh, Steve Chapman song? You remember your chains and -hmm. remember your chains are gone. I'm so grateful for those difficult experiences that God brought us through. They weren't fun at the time. But it's always, hey, I Lord, I don't ever want to get behind this eight ball again because I remember how painful that was. And I'm so grateful for the lessons that come from that. So please help me to navigate in such a way that I don't have to go back and relearn something that I might have forgotten.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. The word that's coming to my mind right now is we've had a few conversations before we started recording here. And I think we're going to title this, this podcast, The Power of Collaboration. Uh, I know that collaboration is something that's very important to you, and I think it's very unique in your walk as a business person and as, as you call it, a kingdom investor. And maybe you can unpack for us what, how you define a kingdom investor, and then maybe talk a little about this, this collaboration. Where are you involved in collaboration?
1: Yeah, the, the two questions, one with, with the yeah. the investment piece. You know, as a business guy, I spent my whole whole career in commercial real estate and I love numbers. I love following the numbers. I love the simplicity of, you know, cash in when, cash out when when uh, that all comes down to a bottom line internal rate of return. It, it, it's not rocket science. You should be able to measure that in any investment and the more complicated it gets, all you got to do is just figure out, you know, how much went in when and how much came comes out when. And uh, there's something about God's ever-expanding kingdom that is God's God's an investor. And he, he is a God of unlimited resources, but when he places the, them in our hands, they become limited, right? So how, we become tasked with the wise allocation of limited resources, no matter how many zeros or commas are behind that dollar sign. So I love um, being in that crossroads between marketplace principles and messianic kingdom expansion principles. I still think that there's things that are intangible about that that i can't explain and that's okay with me but as i was saying some of the most every lesson that we've learned in how to be a good partner uh, particularly cross-culturally and helping to get the gospel where the gospel isn't is mostly by being a bad partner by leading with all of the the wrong principles not not uh being relational leading with large large checks and uh, you know in all of our i've had the opportunity to travel on on, on in many countries all over the world and and the frustration of those of of those years of constantly showing up and trying to bring money, thinking God's gift us, us with money. Here, our our role is to write checks, and then seeing the unintended consequences of those, and the frustration of coming back with funds that we had taken into the field, and then realized that it would not be wise to leave those funds, and coming back and thinking, and saying, Lord, why? I believe that you've called us to be generous investors with your resources, but why is it so hard to write a check for a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, and know that and know that you want us to grow in that capacity, but I'm doing something wrong and I don't know what it is. And the, and the Lord took me back to. You know, first Corinthians 13, it said, Andy, here's the deal. You can write as large a check as you want. Problem is it will be of no value to my kingdom or to you or anyone else if you don't learn how to lead with relationships. The kingdom of God expands on the back of relationships without exception. And if you are trying to lead with financial resources, you're leaving the most important part of, of that formula behind which is i need you to lead with your heart you have to lead relationally and when you invest yourself into relationships and allow resources to appropriately follow that now you've got the horse before the cart and, and i thought okay that was my repentances i was leading with the wrong thing i have to lead with myself and so once so that was an important transition for us in our kingdom investing of learning that that the most important thing that that i can bring into a partnership is not my checkbook but and then the, and then looking around and thinking, well, who else is asking these questions? You know, those who would be who would be listening to this podcast, we're all on a journey of generosity of, of learning how we can connect that profit with a purpose, which is really important. I know you had Todd Harper on and I'm a huge fan of uh, generous giving and what they're doing, and I've learned so much from that table. My own experience has been that the journey of generosity though leads to other questions which um, generosity alone doesn't satisfy. And that's that journey of investing. And I've learned that um, that the challenge of investing God's capital, knowing that you will be held accountable for the return of what that capital invested in is a different journey than just writing as big, big of a check as you can and walking away and saying, well, I was generous. Those of us who are kingdom investors who are called to be engaged in these partnerships we learned that the most valuable thing is the community. Who are we doing this with? What does this relationship look like? How can I grow this relationship in such a way that the kingdom of God flourishes on the back of that? And then financial resources will flow accordingly in appropriate ways. So I didn't I didn't have this vocabulary when I was when I was trying to figure this out. All I just you know knew I just knew that God didn't call us to do it alone. And it was about 10 years after uh, that, that 40 months of wandering through the wilderness that I ran into a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in 10 years named Paul Schulteis. He was another commercial real estate guy. And I knew he was doing something in the Middle East and uh, and I couldn't get my head around it. And I thought, man, who? What, what is this guy doing? He was building some kind of a fund, a mutual fund for ministries. And I didn't, nobody had that kind of language at the time. And And he told me what he that, uh, that essentially, we're all as kingdom investors, we're all asking the same questions, which is essentially what's God doing? Who's he working through? How can we add value? Those of us who are asking those questions, we basically line up behind the same ministry partners to get our opportunity to stand before them and say, hey, who are you and what what are you doing? And can you fill out my application of all the things that I need to know about your organization to see if we're going to be good partners? And, And you look around and say, wait, we're all asking the same questions. Why don't we, instead of each of us asking the questions individually, let's put them together. Let's come to a common table. let's uh, pull our questions together, let's pull our resources together and create a fund or a fund of funds to be able to do this and scale the same way a mutual fund would scale with regards to their to their investments. Nobody had ever done that before in the kingdom sphere, and I thought, this is brilliant. We have to be part of this collaborative journey. We're in. We're in. Where do we sign up? And he said, "Great. Well, the ask is a million dollars." I said, "We're out. There's no way. I've never <laughs> given anything close to that." Right. Uh, but uh, Paul said, "You know, obviously God's brought us together for a reason. Just go pray about it, and uh, and see what the Lord says." And I thought, "Well, I'll pray about it." But you know, those of us in commercial real estate you know, we always often say we're cash poor, but we're equity rich, right? Because we don't keep cash around. All the cash that comes in just goes back into reinvestment. Another deal. And uh, yeah, yeah. And the Lord had had blessed the, the portfolio to the to, to the responsibility, to the tune that we had always given out of income. And that income had always been increasing and our giving had been increasing. But the, the real aha was when we learned to give not out of income, but give out of the very source that God had been increasing, which wasn't income, it was equity. And when and God took us back to the story in Genesis when Abraham, you know, just had his a military victory rescuing his his nephew Lot, and Abraham didn't tithe out of his income. Abraham tithed out of his the assets that God had given him. And God said, "Have I blessed your portfolio? Is your equity such that if you gave out of your equity, what would that look like versus giving out of income? Well, you know, all you got to do is look at your financial statement. and Say that's a game changer to move from giving out of income to giving out of equity. That's a whole new paradigm shift, and that that allowed Sandy and I to say, if we started giving out of equity, now the capacity, our capacity, isn't what we thought it was. Our our capacity just got a whole lot bigger. So that was a real transition for us. Then to we're talking about collaboration. But you're not going to do that. You're not going to write those big checks if you don't trust the tables that you're sitting at. And the question is. Who are you gonna trust? Because investment's all about who you trust, right? Investments always come down to whether you're in real estate or if you're in the marketplace or where or or if you're in ministry. Who are you gonna trust with the limited resources that you've been that 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 you that you are stewarding? And for us, you know, one of those pivotal moments was coming around other kingdom investors, high capacity kingdom investors learning that they're on a journey too. They're asking the same questions. And oh my gosh, the things that I can learn from you and I can have a voice and sit down at the table and with others and take a long-term view to say, let's sit down for a long period. So so all of us uh, resource partners at SRG, what we all have in common is we all make a large uh, commitment over time into the Middle East, and then we're patient capital to do that together. And so the value of that collaboration We've been for 16 years, SRG has been doing that. We've got 266 ministry partners across 25 countries. And the, the joy of being able to do that together is greater than any of us would ever be able to do, no matter how large your foundation is. We we get to scale together and the joy is in doing it together.
0: That's incredible. I've known many people involved and it's, I know that's an amazing organization, but you've talked about other collaborative tables you're in, does this play into where else does that word collaboration intersect your life?
1: Yeah. It's, it's so so my journey of being a resource partner cross-culturally into the greater Middle East through SRG was, you know, it, it's so much fun between now and dead. Let's just wake up every day and do that. Yeah, that's so much fun. The problem is those of us who are zealous, particularly for getting the gospel where the gospel isn't, leaves a hole in our backyard uh, where we have uh, churches and community uh, ministry partners here saying, you know, the gospel needs to go out here too. And, and my attitude wrongly was, you guys figure that out. There's a lot, enough enough churches and Christians around here. You don't, I'm not adding any unique value to that conversation. I'm trying to get resources where resources aren't or very limited. So you guys figure that out. Well, that principle of d- don't do anything over there that you're not doing here, stuck in the throat and I, I had earned myself a reputation of being that weird guy who's very critical about what we're doing here, but always advocating for the wonderful things that, that God's doing over there. And um, that was a real problem. So in the midst of that, I was invited to another rubber chicken dinner uh, from uh, with that a friend was hosting. And um, he was involved in something called Mission Increase that I'd never heard about. Their tagline was, we help ministries grow. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I, you know, I'd like to see what, what that looks like. So I met Dale Stockkamp, the founder of that, and uh, he started telling his story as a high capacity kingdom investor. And uh, he was talking about his, his moving from generosity to, to uh, an investment mindset. And uh, he said, you know, he woke up at 3.30 in the morning with the, the, the parable of the talents running through his brain that, was, that put him in a cold sweat. And uh, the Lord was telling him, I didn't tell you to just give it all away. This is kingdom investment capital. Where's the return?" and at that point at the rubber chicken dinner i dropped my fork and i thought man you've got my attention because i need to know what your answer to that is because I don't know what the answer to that is. I know how to I know I know how to do it collaboratively over there. I found a great table to do it over there. I don't know how to do it here. So he told me about Mission Increase and how their development team had uh, built a model that in your local com- in their local community which was up in Portland, Oregon, they learned how to go to ministry partners and if you ask any ministry leader how can we help as resource partners, as, as kingdom investors? What do you need? Every single ministry partner is going to answer the same way. What do they need? Money. Money. We need money. Or their answer is going to be something similar, like we need people who will give us money, or we need leaders <laughs> who will give us money. Whatever it is, where there's, it, I don't understand why this is, but it is a principle that where there's no uh, money, there's no ministry. Somebody has to pay the bills. Somebody has to help resource Uh, and make that happen. And so they created uh, uh, something that was highly collaborative, a way that went upstream with other resource partners to fund a model that could then uh, 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 be uh, rolled out across an entire community of ministry leaders for for a small handful of resource partners to be able to help ministries grow across their community. And I went, man, if this is as good as you say it is, I gotta have this in my backyard. And so I kicked the tires and I uh, went to the local community to sit in on their quarterly meeting and saw what incredible leadership that they had and that, and that it was prayer driven and they had the right principles at the table and it was collaborative and they had brief partners coming together and doing it together. And I thought that's exactly what we need. So so I became the champion for Mission Increase Inland Valleys. and uh, We now have 106 ministry partners here in Riverside, San Bernardino counties and Coachella Valley and, and, and Murrieta. And that we, you know, a dozen of us or so go upstream to fund a local area director to uh, provide coaching and teaching and training for any ministry leader in our community that wants to learn how to grow. And we do it at no cost to them. So that's the other collaborative table. So these are so every day now I wake up every day with my commercial real estate job to connect the the, the profit with a purpose and I have two collaborative tables I get to sit at. One of them to get the gospel over there with 266 ministry partners, we get to be a part of that and we get to be a part of watching ministries grow in our backyard here through Mission Increase. Okay, that's fun. That's worth waking up for every day to be a part of.
0: Well, I just I have this image, and uh, of course, that's how we met was through Mission Increase. And Dale Stockcamp was actually a guest on the podcast, episode twelve. Uh, for those who are, are listening, uh, go back and listen to that. But the the thing that struck me about Dale's story was that it was so clear how he God gave him this pretty analytical mind, to put it mildly, and he you know he built a great business doing that, sold it, and then eventually, right nothing's a straight line as we talked about up and to the right, but eventually found a place to to apply those analytical gifts, you know? And, you know, we, the, you and me and others that know Dale about his favorite word is leverage, you know? And uh, of course, in, in real estate language, maybe you call it a cap rate or, you know, used IRR in here, you know? So, there are
1: right, wait, okay, hold on. You just came back to me, so I've missed the last 45 no, seconds. You okay,
0: yeah, I just saw that it froze. So I'll I'll repeat just in case it it didn't record for some reason. I think I think probably Wi-Fi on your side, but uh, but I don't know. I I could still see it going. But I'll I'll repeat it. I said we met, uh Andy and I met through Mission Increase at an event actually down in Franklin, Tennessee, where I interviewed Andy and a couple of other people that are very involved with uh Mission Increase. And uh for those who haven't heard it, listen to episode 12 of this podcast for an uh, interview with Dale Stopkamp, the uh, founder of, of Mission Increase. And the thing that I love about his story is that God gave him a very analytical mind in business that helped him create a big business, sell it. And then he eventually, and like we said, nothing's just up and to the right in a straight line. He eventually, as you described, found the place in ministry land where he could apply those same God-given talents Uh, And his favorite word is leverage, as we know, Mm -hmm. and you've used the term IRR, you know, I think of cap rates and that kind of thing. But to me, and you've already sort of alluded to it, real estate is just math. I mean, most of business is just math, frankly, Mm -hmm. cash coming in, cash going out, you know, in real estate, what are the rents coming in? What are the expenses, basically? But I love... So, there's this picture. And a lot of people that I know that are involved in SRG have a similar mindset, a similar gifting, actually, with that analysis of those kind of returns. And so, pooling your resources to do it in a collaborative way, I think, is a very unique idea and actually does lead to a higher IRR Sorry, and and leverage. So, I think that's a, a beautiful part of the story. So... Where where does this journey take you now? What 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 do you see kind of coming in the next ten years for you, or do you even look that far?
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm always looking around the corner to see how how can we grow. The, the question was always, what experience do I need to add to the knowledge that the that, that God's given me to get the wisdom that will come out of that? That's always coming on the back of relationships. So meeting other people at these collaborative tables like yourself in in, uh, in Franklin. And uh, it, it's always where, what next? So we're continuing to expand our fund of funds at SRG, inviting others to the table at that. Mission Increase has a, a wonderful BHAG that I love to be a part of, that I love being a part of, which is to be a catalyst for a billion dollars a year of New Kingdom Capital coming into 10,000 ministries. And we want to do that by the year 2000, I think, 27 is the deadline on that. And it's, it sounds like a crazy goal, but uh, we're already halfway there. We created $475 million of New Kingdom capital into the 3,300 ministries that we served last year. So, it, and, and we can continue to do that, inviting others to the table to continue to grow what we've got. And we were talking about, you know, ROI and IRR and all that, uh, you know, these are models that have a proven return. As long as, uh, you know, mission increase was the first ministry that taught me, you know, were all trying to figure out how do you measure fruit? Uh, how do you measure relationships? You know, you can measure the number of decisions for Jesus, the number of people that come to your events, the number of, you know, people that you serve at, at your, at your food pantry, you know, you can measure all those things. But mission increase was the first one that said, well, actually a, a really good kingdom measurement would be money. But not money flowing through us, but money flowing into the ministries that we serve, knowing that that's a good proxy for new champion relationships. So let's serve through uh, teaching, coaching, and training, and then follow the new kingdom capital that comes into these into these ministries as we track them, and we track them very, very diligently. So I, so I love being on the road to watching that grow, to moving from 22 communities that we've got now to the goal of 50 communities that have a heat map uh, globally. Because you know, you might have a, have a ministry that's based in Tustin, but you're actually working in a, uh, Iraq or, or Iran or uh, someplace like that. So. So uh, so these are proven tables that I want to see continue to grow and invite others who are on this journey of kingdom investing to come and join and be a part of it.
0: I love that. Love your collaborative heart. And so as we kind of wrap up here, Andy, one of the things that we try to ask toward at the end of the podcast is, you know, we're we're mostly just a bunch of business people uh, talking to our friends and encouraging each other as we were talking before we were recording. That's really the goal of this podcast is just to encourage people on their their own journey of generosity, mostly as as, as uh, business owners. And so, you know, as you just think about a uh, maybe a practical tip that somebody who might be a little a decade or two behind you on this journey. You know, if you're kind of talking to yourself 10 or 15 years ago, uh, maybe a practical tip or maybe even longer than that, a practical tip, something they could just apply tomorrow or next week, just something small along the journey. Uh, What kind of a tip might you deliver?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, You know, I think, you know, what comes to mind is this there's a principle that Jesus gives that I think is really familiar and not well chewed on or digested. And it's, it's the ask, seek, knock principle. Yeah. Ask. It'll be given to you. Yeah. Seek. You're going to find it knock. And that door is going to be open to you. I love that. How, what each of those images represent individually and collectively, collectively, what they mean to me is God's created his world in such a way that those who take initiative are blessed. And God's called his people to take initiative. So the calling is for leaders. If you've been gifted with relationships, if you've been gifted as a business leader, if you've been gifted with any kind of leadership skills whatsoever, you've been called to be an initiator. God promises to come alongside you as you ask, as you seek, as you knock to initiate New ventures that are in partnership with His expanding kingdom. So I would just encourage that just to, to to never always content, never satisfied, of, of asking the Lord, what what's next? I think there there isn't a finish line in the expansion of God's kingdom. It's constantly expanding. There's always something next to be able to be working with and uh, to do that collaboratively. If you're not working collaboratively, look around and say, Lord, who should I be working with that That I need to go throw a rope around. Who do I need to call? Who do I need to uh, to be connecting with? In my world as a connector, you know, it's it's I I move from coffee to lunch to dinners to just saying how who can I connect with in a way that that I can create value or that we can create value together. So start asking. If you're not asking, start asking. If there's a door that you need to knock on, get out of your seat and go knock on that door because God God blesses those who take initiative.
0: I love it. I wrote down uh, keep asking. Have an abundance mentality and and uh, keep for, look for collaboration with others on the same journey.
1: It's a right. whole lot more fun together.
0: It is. Well, Andy, thanks so much for being with us on the Generous Business Owner podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Really All right. Enjoyed See it. everybody next week. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.